This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. Sort of break it, break it down like this. This is Fast Mom, and you're listening to Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Matt and Joe. Welcome to episode 37 of THN, where we are talking comics and comic news for the week of Wednesday, October 5th. Wait a minute, are we recording? We're recording. My name is Matt Bob, and when I'm not trying to choose between my old nickname, Snakebite, and the newly proposed nickname, Dwarf Star, I'm writing about and appraising comics for WorkPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick, artist and co-creator of Good Plus Online, and when I'm not seeing Matt's love of Charles Grodin in the 1979 King Kong remake and raising him my love of Rene Aubergenois, he's Odo in Deep Space Nine to you folks, I am the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. This week, the two-headed nerd returns to form after a month of DC New 52 coverage with reviews of The Strange Talent of Luther Strode, number one from Image, and X-Men Schism, number five from Marvel. After that, we'll run faster than any tech nerd you've ever seen to get in line for the new iPhone 4S while reviewing 10 comics in the ludicrous <laughs> speed round. I totally thought that just said iPhone 4s. <laughs> get with it, dude. Then we'll, yeah. then, we'll be, then we'll be the trash heap to your gobo as we predict comics you should be reading next week. And finally, fraggles, dude. Trash I am out of it. And then finally, we'll help you get your DVRs ready for all this month's nerdy TV premieres in our monthly Nerd TV segment. Oh, thank goodness. I did it here so you couldn't do it later. But before we get to all that mindless protest speech, let's kick our way through the Occupy Wall Street protest to punch the tea party in the face and then talk about this week's big news. The whole tea party. This week, Marvel Comics sent a postcard to retailers directing them to Marvel.com's upcoming live blog of the Cup of Joe panel at next week's New York Comic Con. Is it just a hard copy or is there an email? It was a hard copy. That's quaint. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Now, the flip side of the postcard featured nothing but the ominous phrase, It's coming. There are no further clues to what the phrase is referring to, but as usual, the internet is full of speculation. Notably, Newsarama.com has offered some interesting guesses as to what the message means, ranging from long-awaited Marvel Man news to a new digital comics initiative and even to Marvel's answer to DC's new 52 relaunch, whatever that might be. Now, the only thing we know for sure at this point is that we'll all be glued to our computer screens, eagerly waiting for answers next Saturday. Matt, what do you think it all means? My guess is they've somehow made good with Neil Gaiman and this is going to be the Marvel Man thing because I can't think of anything else they could possibly do and that would be huge for marvel but would it merit like a mass mailing i think neil gaiman is one of like the most important fantasy authors of our time and him doing a comic book like this that's like stephen king scale okay but Mar- neil gaiman was never the problem the dude has done comics for marvel oh, no, i'm not saying that he was the problem i'm saying whatever the legal marvel issues Man were was the problem yeah they may have figured that out yeah we'll see uh, i mean i don't think it's the digital thing there certainly I- is not a marvel relaunch coming that's there's no and- no, but something they're priding on them, they're priding par. themselves on the fact that they're not doing that. Mm, like I'm hearing rumblings that something not the same, not an actual reboot, but something on par, something massive enough to kind of stand up to the DC relaunch is in the works and nobody knows for sure what that means. Calling my shot right now, the return of the micronauts. <laughs> Rom Space Night. Micro, 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 micro <laughs> 
<laughs> DC Comics co-publisher Dan DiDio sent comic fans into a frenzy by revealing a controversial bit of new DC continuity on his Facebook page last Saturday. DiDio said, quote, and by the way, I have not liked Dan DiDio, so we're not Facebook buddies. Brace yourself, yeah, but either. after further review, there have been no crisis events in the new DCU. And I kind of picture him, him rapping that line because it rhymes. While DiDio's statement implies <laughs> that stories like Crisis on Infinite Earth, Zero Hour, Infinite Crisis, and Final Crisis are no longer a part of the DCU's history, erasing every aspect of those events may cause more continuity problems than it solves considering that so many of the DCU's key moments rely on them. In a later post, Didio clarified his earlier statement by saying, quote, for those in crisis over crisis... Get it? <laughs> let me clarify. The topic of crisis was much discussed among the editors of talent working for the new 52. With so many characters and histories, restarting major events like crisis are harder to place when they work for some and not for others. Which is a reasonable statement. It totally makes sense. That was one of the problems coming out of the original crisis. Sure. While we starting approximately, approximately like APR years into our heroes' lives, we're focused on the characters' present and future, and past histories will be revealed as the stories dictate. Yes, there have been crises in our characters' lives, but they aren't exactly like the crises you read before. They can't be. Now, what this means for the characters, seen and unseen. Well, that's the fun of the new 52 infinite stories, infinite possibilities for the best yet to come. Pitch man, pitch man. I am okay with this. Well, yes, what he's saying in this second post is not at all unreasonable. And obviously, like, things are not going to fit together like they did. But why did he bother to say, to begin with... There have been no crisis events. My guess is somebody asked him this question. and It's true. He, he answered it, which I'm sorry. Yeah, but he did say, P.S., that's the last me, time I try to answer a Facebook question yeah, when I'm in a hurry. If you want me to believe that as much as they're trying to tell us happened in the last five years, it's already getting kind of ridiculous. There's been five Robins in five. Oh, pardon me. Four Robins in five, five years. Five. Five Robins. Do we know Stephanie for certain? Uh, they, until Daisy says I'm going they with didn't. Four for now, even so, that's ridiculous. Yeah. You want me to believe that there were three crisis events in that five years too, or something? Oh, more than I three. Mean, there's just no way, and, and I'm fine with it. It doesn't really matter. Hey, we're but, starting all over. There, I'm sure there'll be but something. They're coming. not. Is the thing they're not completely starting all over. I will say, and in, that's the problem. In that sense, they have kind of fallen down with a lot of things. If and you, if it's you already say, starting to show in issue two. It's yeah, already like, starting to show. Hawk and Dove number one referenced the original crisis. Well, a crisis. <laughs> Hawk's brother died in the crisis. Right. So something obviously happened. Green Lanterns are carrying over as though nothing happened. Firestorm is a complete reboot, yeah. yet Firestorm was such a main part of Blackest Night and Brightest Day. How do you have those stories without that character? There are problems here. There's definite issues. And, I mean, it com- I, I can't believe I'm saying this, and I'm the last person that would say it, I think. But they probably would have been better off just, like, complete from scratch. I agree. Relaunch. I totally agree. Don't, if you're going to do it, you Don't pick do and it. choose because... No, I totally agree. And that's not to say that I don't like the relaunch and I'm mad at... Oh, no. I, 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 I love it. I think All or Nothing would have worked better. The bottom line is that with a reboot of this kind, exactly like what happened in the original Crisis, you're going to have these problems and you're just going to have to deal with them as they come up or sweep them under the rug and forget about them or else you're going to drive yourself crazy. Yeah. There's just no way. And that was the problem they're trying to get away from is yeah. all the stuff that came so. before. Speaking of DC, a number of creative team changes have already been announced for some of DC's newly relaunched titles over the past couple of weeks, some coming mere days after the book's first issue was released. 
First out of the gate was John Rosam's announcement that he has resigned from his writing duties on Static Shock. Now, Rosam was quick to diffuse internet speculation by stating that the decision was his, not DC's. Uh huh. And that his working relationship with the publisher is still going strong on a number of upcoming projects. Uh huh. Yeah, he said that because of people like you. <laughs> yeah, I know. You want to see I'm conspiracy where there is no, none. Oh, it's there. Uh, next up, December solicitations revealed that Keith Giffen would be co-writing Green Arrow number four with series artist Dan Jurgens Because it sucks. And DC later confirmed that Kroll, JT Kroll, was off the book completely. Because he sucks. And that Giffen and Jurgens would be the permanent writing team moving forward. Finally, just two days after the release of Superman number one, Newsarama confirmed reports that George Perez will no longer provide scripts and art breakdowns for the title. And starting with issue seven, surprise, surprise, Keith Giffen and Tan Jurgens <laughs> will take over the book's writing and art. So you think do it all. <laughs> Newsarama states that Perez may stay on as the book's inker, though that has yet to be confirmed. And where exactly this leaves Jesus Marino, Superman's current artist, is unknown. That's a mess. Yeah, is this that a, is a mess. Now, is this a sign, a, a bad sign for the future of the relaunch, or do you think that they are just acting quickly to fix what isn't working? How can they tell it isn't working already? Now, and if they already know from fan reaction with issue one that it's not working, how did they not know when they were looking at it themselves? I mean, like th- this is a mess, and I'm not saying it's the end of the relaunch because there's things that they are nailing. But those things that they are nailing, they were nailing before. And the whole idea with the relaunch was to fix the things that don't work, right? Superman being one of those things. Well, you did 50% of that because action is excellent. In their defense, I don't know who you go to to write the other Superman title. I have no idea. Unless you just say, Grant Morrison. Write them both. You're only writing one book right now. Do you think you could write two? Yeah. Now, I, I'm a little bit more generous uh, about it than you. I think DC is strongly watching critical and fan reaction. Oh, I think so, too. And they the are going to thing, be quick. Yeah, the static shock thing may even be them saying, look, the no, orders on, on... on The static shock thing I'm was not, no, the no, writer's decision. That's what I'm saying. But they may have come to him and said, look, we're cutting this down to a miniseries because of the orders on issue two or whatever. And he was like, you know what? I had a longer story to tell. I quit. Or whatever. I I mean, it, it may I be something along those lines. I think you are adding irresponsible speculation to that part of the Possibly. story. Possibly. <laughs> but what... Okay, let it not be said that this show is not focused on irresponsible <laughs> speculation. That's kind of like, our that's job. That's the whole point of that guy saying, now hold on, idiots. I am quitting of my own accord. I love DC. I've even got new books coming well, sure. out. Gotta, Calm down. Gotta put food on the table. But I mean, the <laughs> point being, this is a mess. And you can't get Keith Giffen and Dan well, Jurgens to save every book. Because guess what? The books they were working on before were not selling well. They're not going to necessarily sell well be, now. To be fair, there's going to be an adjustment period because they're launching 52 obviously. titles from scratch. Obvi- yeah, obviously. Uh, I mean, even if old creator creative teams are sticking around, they're basically launching all of their titles from scratch. And there's going to be a little bit of this. I'm saying this is bad news for the titles that are mentioned here. And I think good on DC for acting quickly to yank things that ain't working because we both agreed that Superman number one and green arrow number one. Oh, were it didn't terrible. work. Yeah. It didn't work at all. But I've also got to say you had plenty of time to get ready for this one and you really need to hit everyone straight out of the gate. I mean, I'm glad they're doing whatever to fix it. Well, obviously somebody liked it. Come, I guess. Nobody sets out to do anything bad on purpose. Except for me.
That's this week's big news. If you want to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up on our Facebook page, where DJ and I will be doing some crisis counseling for all of you psycho pirate fans. Oh, all right. Enough of this uninformed punditry. Let's get back to what we do best. Barely informed demagoguery. Yes, and irresponsible speculation. That's right. <laughs> That's right, it's review time. And as always, we had a furious game of Rock'em Sock'em Robots in honor of this weekend's release of Real Steel. And Matt's red robot humiliated my blue one, so as he always. goes first. Matt, what did you read this week? I read The Strange Talent of Luther Strode. Stole my pick. Number one from Image Comics. Hard to steal your pick when you didn't have a copy to Whatever. Look at. I was on Written Twitter by Justin praising Jordan. this book. I'm sorry, sir. I'm trying to host a radio show. Written by what? Justin Jordan with art by Trad Moore. Interesting name. Luther Strode is a six-issue miniseries that tells the story of a skinny high school student, Luther, who sends away for a Secrets of Bodybuilding and Self-Defense manual that he saw in an ad from an old comic book. Like to- a, an old Charles Atlas right. kind of thing. To his surprise, the catalog actually shows up, and when he begins training, his life takes a very violent and <laughs> yeah, unexpected turn. I was not expecting that violence. No! <laughs> this comic received a ton of buzz on the net, and, and Twitter was blowing up with people freaking out about it this on guy. Wednesday. This guy. Including my man Joe Patrick. Stole my pick. Our Burt Wiener's buddy was yelling about it. Bunch of people and creators, tons of creators. Yeah, Kieran Gillen uh, tweeted about it. I was a little sore that we didn't get any preview issues because I don't know what the deal is with the image people, but they will not get back to us. We want to talk about previews. Come on. <laughs> anyway. Uh, you just want free stuff early. Yeah, I mean, just PDFs, whatever. <laughs> the first thing that I kind of noticed was the art, and I wasn't sure if I liked it or I not. I love the art. Four or five pages in, I realized what the artist was doing, and now I'm more comfortable with it. I'm not going to say I love it, but I like it. I definitely like it. That said, there were a couple things that confused me a little bit. There was some scenes where, like, Luther is developing his powers, and he looks at people, and he sees just, like, their muscles. Mm-hmm. And and I can't really tell what's going on in that scene. Like, well, I think we're going to get to that. Well, and I assume so. But then there's other scenes where he looks at people and sees, like, blue versions of them all around themselves and it was kind of hard to tell like is he picturing everything that they could do that's what i read that and predicting what's going to happen or is he seeing some kind of space time i think he's predicting their moves and that could be that said the art was so violent (laughs) you know it's a the first thing i thought of when i saw it was that it reminded me a lot of ryan otley uh, from Invincible. Yeah, I think not, Otley's Not because little... of the subject matter, but the style itself. Right. Otley, much harder-edged in his lines. This one was a little softer, a little cartoonier than Otley's stuff, in my opinion. And it's you bring up. It's funny you bring up Brian Otley, because this has been compared to Invincible over and over and over again. I didn't get so much of that. I get that he's a high school student, and it's similar in tone, but this book felt totally different to me. This book looks like it's going to be much grittier than Invincible. And that's really saying something because Invincible is very violent. Uh, this is an origin issue here and it's a very well-executed origin issue. I, I liked Luther. I liked his mother. I liked the introduction of his friend. He's a believable nerd. I like the idea of the story. The back page has like the fake ad that he looked at in the Golden <laughs> yeah, Age that's great. comic. You know, it's like the Hercules manual that he sends in for. 
I'm interested by the story. It seems like there are some other people that have powers similar to his, but they may or may not be good guys. They are not good guys. There's some really weird stuff going on that I don't want to spoil. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not really sure where this one goes from here. I'm definitely interested. I'm just a little nervous that it could get really gratuitous really fast. And I just don't want to see this go the way of an Avatar title. Yeah. Because it very easily could. I'm giving this one a strong buy. Me too. I loved it. I absolutely loved this book. I took it home Tuesday night. I read it at uh, 7.30 in the morning the next day. Yeah. And I immediately got on my phone and uh This was the first a, book I read too, it. and it was based on the weight of everybody screaming about it. Yeah. If, if you didn't pick this one up Wednesday, you might have trouble finding it. It is sold out at the printer, and it's already going for more than cover price on eBay, so good, I, good luck here. I will say that our shop, we put in an advanced reorder of the day or two before it shipped, and I think it might actually go through. So cross your fingers. You might be able to find it out there. Joey, what did you read this week? I reviewed X-Men Schism number five. I think it's Schism. By Jason Aaron and Adam Kubert. Digital inks by Mark Roslin and coloring by Jason Keith. This is the long-awaited conclusion of this storyline that's been building this this falling out between Wolverine and Cyclops. Yeah, this is the book that ends Uncanny X-Men and X-Men Legacy. Everything's getting canceled and restarted after this. Yes, correct. And so this issue is basically one giant fight scene, uh, or at least the first half of it is. Now, when we last left our heroes, there was a giant uh, homemade-looking sentinel crawling towards Utopia, and the big debate was... Stay and fight using the army we have, which just happens to be the children. Which includes Idy, who killed a guy. Right. Oh, a group of guys. That was sent by the new Hellfire Club, who are a group of really smart and psychotic kids. Yes. Which uh, is awesome. Yes. <laughs> or run and live to fight another day. Utopia is just a place we don't need it, which was Wolverine's take. And ultimately... Well, not so much run because they couldn't do it, but let's... Get the be, kids not, out Don't here. put the kids in the position. Yeah, Wolverine right, 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 is right. Exactly, in the mindset right. that these kids need to be taught and not treated as soldiers. And Cyclops is saying, look, we're all under attack. So we are all, basically all our soldiers. Cyclops is, has very slowly, not slowly, but over the course of time, kind of gotten into the mode that it's survival of the species at any cost. Which means sending X-Force out to do wet works or equipping children to fight when they should be learning. And I like that. I think Cyclops has become a lot more interesting. Interesting, yes. Well, I, whether you agree or not, it has certainly been very compelling. Yeah. And so when Wolverine says, no, these these are children. We can't put, make them like us. We need to save them. I side with Wolverine on that. I, uh, no, I, I mean, I, I agree as well. And I think it's really interesting to see Wolverine making that choice. Yes, of all people. Like, he's going to be the teacher. Now, Wolverine's whole deal during these kind of ongoing storylines is that if you need something dirty done, I will shoulder that burden so no one else has to. Right, he was leading X-Force. Yeah, and so when Edie, uh, the girl from Generation Hope, killed, was put in the position to kill... I'm going with Idy. Okay, those goons from the Hellfire Club, Wolverine took it very hard because he doesn't think that anybody else should have to. He's already lost. Right. He's already a monster. He doesn't want these kids to turn into him. And, you know, that kind of is what formed the wedge between Cyclops and Wolverine because before that, they were on the same page working together to save mutants. Yeah, they still had their problems. Though. They've always... They did, but, heads. like, they did make a point to say how 
much Wolverine has come to respect Scott and that he'd do anything he asked. And so when it came down to the, to Scott telling Edie to kill those people, basically, right? Uh, Wolverine had a real problem with it, and it's led to this point. Yeah, and these are not the events in this book. Now let's talk about, That was boom, previous issues, yeah. So we've come to the breaking point. Wolverine and Cyclops are just, just trying to kill each other. Yeah. And, like, Go literally, on. Wolverine's got his claws out. Cyclops is shooting beams full force in the face. And meanwhile... They're trying to avoid this ridiculous sentinel. They don't seem to care about it. They only seem to care about avoiding it long enough to hurt each other badly. And Wolverine is starting to blow up the island. And just in the nick of time, the kids show up to save the, the day. The Generation Hope kids. So the whole point is moot. Cyclops. Your latest <laughs> group of young mutants. Yeah. So basically Cyclops is, gets his way and the kids you know, show up to the party and save the day. And I will say, defeat the sentinel pretty quickly. Well, like for all this discussion, like, no, this is too dangerous. They're going to get killed. Well, it only took about two pages and they and, got him. You know, it's a montage. <laughs> you could say who and knows get how it. much time passed. I get it. I'm just saying that, you know, they the whole thing with Wolverine saying, no, these kids can't be soldiers and da, da, da. It, like, well, they kicked the crap out of this thing. Yeah. And it almost kind of deflated the argument a little bit for me. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, that leads me, to, I think, to uh, that's a good segue. Like maybe into had my one of them problems had one of them issue. died. I would have been like, OK. I get it. You, you know. monster. <laughs> uh, that leads me to some of my problems with this issue. Half of the book is just nonstop fighting and basically all for nothing. The kids step up. Yeah. They fight the fight and ultimately nothing happens. Yeah, they, they survive. There really aren't any ramifications. And so when it got to the point where Wolverine decides to leave, it didn't quite hit me with the impact I think that's it why should I, have. That's why I needed another one of them to die. Yeah. And then I can see Wolverine saying, "Look, yeah, we beat that thing. Great. You just killed a kid. We've got one kid that's a murderer and you killed another one. Right. That would have concreted it. I would have got it. I would have said, boom, effective. Yeah. And instead what we get is some follow-up pages of Wolverine feeling all his feelings while Cyclops basically acts like an ass. And a really bizarre panel of Wolverine feeling all his feelings. It's true. Which leads me to another one of my problems with this issue. Adam Kubert's art yeah. is so inconsistent. I've never had a problem with either Kubert brother. Never. Yeah. Until this issue. Yeah. It, I don't know if it was rushed or if it's the digital inks or what. There, there's some real weirdness. But you've got some pages that are really good, usual Kubert goodness, and some that are just kind of murky. Yeah. And rushed and scratchy and confusing. Yeah, some of it was really bad. Laughably bad. When Wolverine walks through the hall and looks at the picture, the old picture of the X-Men, and does like this double take, I laughed. Yeah. his face is... You know, yeah, and, because he looks I'll foolish. Even, I'll scan that. It's right there. I'll scan that and put it up on our Facebook page. Weird. That... Yeah, Yeah, you're absolutely right. And so the art doesn't work. And I hate to say that because I am such a fan of Adam Kubert, but he does not deliver in this issue. So what do you, okay, series as a whole, what do you rate it? Series as a whole, I give it a buy because I've enjoyed it. This issue. This issue, I give it a skim it. I'm with you. Double skim it. Now, ultimately, this I like where this goes. I like where this ends. It's very interesting. And it sets up probably the most interesting chapter of the X-Men's life we've had in a long time. This was not the effective argument that I needed to see the split. Right. I needed something better. This whole, And honestly, I think the death of Scott Summers would have done it. It's true. When the rumor was going around that Scott might die, I actually thought that that would be pretty And maybe Wolverine doesn't even kill him. Maybe Wolverine feels responsible for his death because they're fighting and the Sentinel falls on him or something. You know, I mean, like, whatever. <laughs> I would not have been down with that. 
you know, Cyclops and, doesn't go out that way. And he blames himself, and he he's has to leave. Straining really hard on the toilet, <laughs> and like and blood vessel inexplicably pops. Force beams just explode out of the back of his head because right, he can't handle it. Let's wrap this up. Uh, so yeah, it's a double scheme. It this was not the strong conclusion it needed to be, but it gets us to where we need to be. And I am looking forward to what comes next for the X Men. So that is a double buy it for the strange town of Luther Strode and a double skim it for X-Men Schism number five. As always, we want to know your opinions of the comics we reviewed. So hit us up on our Facebook page and let us know just how wrong we were on both of these. It's been a little while and my boy Matt and I are a little out of shape, but these 10 comics ain't going to review themselves. It's true. So let's pull on the gym socks and short shorts, flip Usain Bolt the Bird, and scream about 10 comics at world record shattering speed. For the return of the ludicrous speed round, ludicrous speed, go! Joe Patrick, Supernatural, number one. You know, I picked up this book because it was written by Brian Wood of all people. Yeah, and I love the show, but I've never really gotten into the comics. That said, this wasn't great. Really, I didn't care for the art at all. Uh, I didn't care for the art at all, and the story was just okay. I like that guy too. I love Brian Wood. Skim it. Stormwatch, number two. I liked it a little better than the last one. They did some interesting stuff with the uh, Blades guy. It's kind of fun. Uh, that said, I totally, totally hate the Midnighter's outfit. The stupid spike on his it's chin has outfit. got to go. I can still only give this a skim it. I'm still in. Haven't read it yet. Not great. Huntress, number one. You know, this was uh, fine. It was competently executed. It had really good art by Marcus Toe, the guy who was drawing Red Robin before. There's nothing super special about it, but it was still pretty good. And this is a six or two minute, not All a new series. Right, right, right. I'm giving it a skim it just because, you know, it wasn't knock your socks off, but I enjoyed it. Avengers 1959, number one. I'm a Howard Chicken fan. His, some of his art has been shaky as of late. This was really solid. I really like the story as well. It was fun to read. The colors were great. It had a very classic feel. I'm giving it a buy it. I'm looking forward to it. Didn't I haven't read yeah. Didn't expect to love this one as much. Animal Man. <laughs> Animal Man, number two. This book upset me. Like, I read it, and I don't mean that as a negative. I mean, it was, not that it upset me, it was upsetting. Like, upset you in the way that gross things make me laugh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I read this book at the shop, and halfway through it, I started to make audible sounds like, Oh, oh, God, oh, it's great. Buy it. Hulk 42. Hulk of Arabia is finally here. Man, have I been waiting. Uh, It was interesting. I want to see where it goes. I don't love this art as much as the previous artist. I used to really like Zercher, but something about this is not clicking for me. Yeah, it's not as good. This is not the Patrick Zercher that I loved. I'm giving it a skin. Detective Comics number two. You remember when we reviewed Detective Comics number one and I said, you know what? It was kind of surprising. Yeah. I didn't say that. Return to form for Tony Daniel. This book was laughably bad. Leave it. Severed, number three. If, man, if there was a law passed that Scott Snyder was the only one that could write horror comics from here until he dies, I'd be fine with it. This book is so creepy and gross. And I, Who's going to pass that? I love it, I love it, I love it. That fascist Obama, man. trying to run everything. Last of the Greats, number one. What was your rating? Oh, I said buy it. Okay. Buy it, I loved it. Last of the Greats, number one. This is me. This is Joe. This was very good. Uh, I am Joe. Hail Satan. Hello. What? (laughs) Don't put... No. Uh, I really liked this book. It was a lot of fun. It had a strong kind of irredeemable vibe. Uh, It's about crazy space gods. Who put this out, by the way? Is this Image? I believe it was Image. Okay. Yes. 
Um, I'm giving it a buy it. Uh, I'm really interested to see where it goes. Swamp Thing number two. Oh, oh, oh. Everything that people yeah. were bitching about where they were like, you can't just crap all over the all more Swamp Thing like this. You know what? They don't. They fixed it. If anything, they said, I'm not, I'm not giving anything away. But they did one little thing that explained everything, and I loved it, and the art is still totally solid, uh, and this great. book was awesome. If I could give it more than a buy it, I would. It's the best. Crunch! That is your ludicrous speed round, and crunch is the sound it makes when Luther Strode throws a dodgeball really, really fast at your face, and it breaks your nose. <laughs> Okay, now let's peer into the near future of next Wednesday and tell these nerds what they should be reading. Matt, what is your pick for next week? The only thing I love more than celebrities smashing their names on comic books is when musicians smash their names on comic books. This is Orchid Number 1 from Dark Horse, written by Rage Against the Machine guitarist Tom Morello, with art by Scott Hepburn, who worked on Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, who's actually really good. I kind of looked at this one and went, what the hell is this? And then I read the solicit. When the seas rose, genetic codes were smashed. Human settlements are ringed with dense wilderness full of ferocious new animal species that prey on the helpless. The high grounds belong to the rich and powerful that overlook the swampland shanty towns from their fortress-like cities. Iron-fisted rule ensures order and allows the wealthy to harvest the poorest slaves. Welcome to the world of Orchid! Oh my damn! It's almost like Tom Morello walked through the Occupy Wall Street camps and goes, Where do we go from here? <laughs> I gotta see what happens. And Tom Morello's a smart guy. I bet he can write pretty good comics. We'll see. What about you? What are you excited for? My pick for next week is The Shade, number one, by James Robinson and Cully Hamner. Our love of Starman, we have gone on about it at length, and I am so excited to have James Robinson returning to Opal City. Calling my shot right here. It's going to be good. If James Robinson can't nail this one, James Robinson is dead. He is gone. That's it. This is he. He has to return to form. Don't talk like that. Or it's over. Don't talk like that. The My Love Affair ends. It's week one of October, and that means it's time to talk about all of this month's nerd-related movie and TV. What a segment we like. Nerd TV. Yeah, let's start with the big screen. Matt, tell us what movies we need to see this week. Friday, March 7th, today, when we're recording this, as soon as I get done with this damn podcast. Today is the day. The now robot the gloves come off when <clears throat> DreamWorks adaptation of Rock'em Sock'em Robots starring Huge Jackman and Los Evangeline <laughs> Lilly. I'm sorry. It's, Real Steel hits screens everywhere. It's Huge Ackman. Oh, pardon me. <laughs> and if you weren't disgusted enough by the first Human Centipede, you're in luck because Human Centipede 2 also hits theaters this weekend. I'm totally going to watch it. Belong. On Friday the 14th, get ready for The Skin I Live In, starring Antonio Banderas, strangely speaking Spanish. We don't <laughs> see that happen very often. As a plastic surgeon that creates a nearly impervious synthetic skin that he's testing on a sexy lady. This is directed by Pedro Almodovar, so I'm interested. The Woman, the story of a successful country lawyer that captures and attempts to civilize the last remaining member of a violent clan that's roamed the northeast coast for decades, and the movie that will make or break my October, The Thing. This one is a prequel from the producers of the Dawn of the Dead remake. Right. A lot of people are pooping on this one. Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. This is not a remake. It is a prequel. We'll see. Yes. 
Friday, October 21st, get ready for more shaky cam demonic action in Paranormal Activity 3, also a prequel. This one details the main character Wait. from the first film, Katie. Wait a minute. <laughs> and her sister, who befriend an invisible entity and just happened to film the whole damn experience. Is there a strong narrative flow through the first two Paranormal I, Activity movies that you have to have a prequel? It's been following this one girl um, the whole time. And if you would not be such a wimp and watch these horror movies, I you would know. I do not want anything to do with it. The first one was kind of fun. Friday the 28th, Justin Timberlake and Amanda Seyfried and Cillian Murphy, who I love, possibly Killian Murphy, I don't know, starts with the C, star in In Time, which is an interesting take on Logan's run, people stop aging at 25 and have to work to buy more time for their life, and Rowan Atkinson is back as the intelligence officer without a clue in Johnny English. Reborn. I saw a movie poster for that. I loved day. Johnny English. It was great. Oh. In TV land, only four premieres this month, counting, well, not counting American Horror Story, which premiered this week on Sunday the 16th. The Walking Dead returns. What? Yes. I should probably watch the last oh half of season one. God, it was good. On Friday the 21st, the X-Men anime premieres. And on Sunday the 23rd, catch the premieres of Once Upon a Time on ABC, which is not the TV treatment of Fables. <laughs> no. And Robot Chicken season six Maybe on Cartoon Network. Good. It could be good. And it stars uh, the guy from Stargate Universe, who I really liked. Robert Carlyle? Yes, Robert Carlyle. Mm. Over at Netflix, As Instant Rumpel Watch. Stiltskin. Yes. The 1979 remake of King Kong, which we were just watching before we started recording. It all comes full recording, circle. Saw the final chapter. Until they choose to make another saw. Oasis of the Zombies, which was also called The Treasure of the Living Dead. I'm a little, and I added that because I'm a little shocked I missed this one. Yeah. Tiger Cage 2, starring Matt's Kung Fu boyfriend, Donnie Yen. It's true. Poltergeist 2. And Troll Hunter. Oh, it's so good. Everybody needs to watch <laughs> Troll Hunter. <laughs> and the aptly titled Negative Happy Chainsaw Edge, a Japanese <laughs> film starring a villain named Chainsaw Man. How can you resist? And in Netflix TV, Star Trek Deep Space Nine is finally up for instant watch. Thank God. Like, tell me about it. Along with the complete animated Star Trek series 1 through 3 and the complete Spider-Man and his amazing friends. And... The complete He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. But as always, thanks to io9's amazing sci-fi and fantasy calendar for the info. And be sure to let us know what you nerds are watching over on our Facebook. That is it for the Two-Headed Nerd this week. If you are absolutely overwhelmed to have the old format back as much as I am, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes where your star ratings and reviews are the only thing that helps me convince DJ over here that format is not only necessary, but imperative to the success of this show. The format, we return the format and we still record it. Because you were rambling. If you want to help two struggling nerds out, you can click our donate button at twoheadednerd.com and know that your donation in any amount keeps food on our gaming table. As always, you can find all things Two Headed and Nerdy at twoheadednerd.com where you can find our Twitter handles, links to Ask a Nerd where you can ask us any of your comic related questions. Or you can contact the comic pushers to ask what you should be reading. Now don't forget to send us your submissions for the THN mascot contest still going strong. Oh yeah. Into week four. <laughs> we got pages. The pages. winner will be voted on by you guys and the new mascot will be featured on our brand spanking new website. And you don't, have, you don't have to be an artist. Just draw something. Anything. You might win. 
Yeah, it's all it's all subjective. <laughs> if that's not enough, head over to our Facebook page where you can become a fan of THN and answer the question of the week. This week's query, it looks like there are a lot of announcements planned for next weekend's New York Comic Con. What non-DC project, no offense, DC, we're sick of talking about you. What non-DC project are you most excited to hear more about? Next week we'll be answering all your comic-related questions and trivia challenges in the return of Ask a Nerd. So start emailing and tweeting, nerds. We need your questions. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to the late, great Steve Jobs. Word to you, Steve. Without you, this podcast would not be possible. Until next time, true believers, this is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. Like the iPad 2, this show is magical. Truly.